the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Here we go. That was a little behind-the-scenes chatter saying, we're ready to start, guys. We wouldn't shut up? Is that yeah. what you're saying? No, I'm saying I, I wouldn't shut up. I was talking to Russ, and then Russ turned my microphone on, so I couldn't talk to him anymore. I don't think that that's fair. Do you he guys... turned your microphone yeah, on. He has turned the it power. on. He turned on my he microphone, has... so I would shut up asking him questions that's, that's a brilliant funny. move on russ's part it was a yeah. good move that's why right. we he's got all him. the power back he there. man he manhandles me when i'm up in here by myself i'm telling you dave i couldn't i mean i couldn't do it with be careful with that oh that's right that's 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 real in, start, in the current <laughs> atmosphere yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah what's another word for that hashtag russ too i'm just saying russ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway Let's get this underway. In the studio today is uh, State uh, Senator Brian King. We thank him for coming in today, as well as the uh, governor's spokesperson, that is uh, J.R. Davis. J.R. is here typically on each uh, uh, Thursday at 2 o'clock, and then we will replay this at 5 o'clock. It's two plays during the course of on a Thursday. Val is here. She's sitting across from me. You're not going to hear much from Val and I. What you're going to hear is you're going to hear kind of a debate between uh, State Senator Brian King and and Jr. because there's been some kind of going back to forth on Twitter and things of that nature. So I just threw it out there to both these gentlemen. Hey, you want to come on and talk about it? And they said yes. And uh, you made quite – that's a long trip for you, Andrew. It's a minimum three and a half hours. I actually got stopped for Rick. It takes me three and a half to four and a half hours to get down there. I it's called, been on track. You're going to love this, Jr. I called him yesterday, talked to him about it, and he was in the chicken coop. Chicken and, house, Dave. The chicken house. <laughs> the house. All right. And you're I'm, not going to fit me. I've lost weight, <laughs> but you're not going to fit me in a coop. Okay. <laughs> so I, okay. I, I'm just weight. telling you, man. I He couldn't hear me. I couldn't hear him, but we could hear the chickens. Yeah. There you go. The chickens yeah. were loud, man. They were really loud. Yeah, so loud. then he sent me a, a, a voicemail last night, and I couldn't hear it. And I knew... It was something wrong with technology because if there's one thing I can tell you about Brian, if he talks to you, you will hear him. And <laughs> anyway, it was it was low, so I called him this morning. We went over everything. Jr., we've done everything by uh, by text and as we always do, and things are ready to go. So we'll we'll start it off. The only two rules that we have today is that I require that both parties be respectful of each other. And if one party is talking, the other party let them finish before you start talking. So we'll just 
Just no that, problem. That's over, that's okay with everybody, right? You're good with that, Brian? Yeah. Okay. We'll pull that mic microphone right in front okay. of you. Okay. That way I can hear you. So let's start off. I wanted to start off by talking about DHS. Uh, DHS has been a bone of contention. And uh, the state senator says uh, what the governor said in, in 2016 doesn't match up with 2018. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there's some things different, and they try and move the argument to a different spot than the where I was in 16. But let me back up since Jr. Okay. got the last time and go over a few things about the kind of the general budget. We'll catch back up that later, folks. We have budget plans, we have appropriation bills. I try and say they're like credit card limits. Okay, doesn't mean the appropriation level you're going to spend that much. It means that includes state and federal money. Okay, so you can have RSA is actually the biggest, most important bill gets the least amount of attention, unfortunately. And RSA stands for Revenue Stabilization. Okay. And it sets the state spending levels. And what the governor has done that I say is misleading, okay, and it's something that I've thought about since my first session down here when I actually started learning what was going on with what goes on in actual spending and how we use these terms. And this is the big contention with the governor that he is misleading people when he talks about savings. So to give you some examples, like RSA is like on simple terms, you would say an RS that revenue stabilization is $10. Okay. Let's say, and that's what you put in, in revenue stabilization is $10. Let's say $11 comes in. Well, you're only going to spend $10. You're going to have a $1 surplus. Okay. If only $9 come in, the Arkansas constitutional law makes any politician balance a budget. Governor Hutchison, BB, Brian King does not balance a budget. The law does. We don't. Okay. But what's happening is, folks, is this term called savings, okay, and where they're defended. I'm going to say this is the business plan, the King plan, Dave. Okay. Okay. Let's say our budget is $10 million. But can, you then, turn, can you turn that a little bit so JR can yeah, say it too? Okay. Yeah, JR, you can look at it too. And then they say, and we come in, on the King plan, we're only going to spend $9 million, okay? So, as I said, budgeting, spending, okay? But let's say the revenue that comes in is $11 million, Okay, and that's where we're getting into the problem. We don't have surpluses anymore. Okay, spending targets are too high. I said that two years ago, three years ago, Michael Wickline, Democrat Gazette, you guys are spending too much, quoted in the newspaper. Uh, So you would have, under this plan, a $2 million surplus, okay, and real savings, money in the bank, like we think of savings account. Okay. And I'm going to call that, This David, it's hard to come up with this name. I spent hours. I love it. Dave Ellswick Superfund. Okay, so there's $2 million of real money in the Dave Ellswick Superfund. Under the Hutchison Hendren plan, the way they spend it, they have a budget of $10 million. They spend, okay, they just raise the budget, and then they spend, an RSA, $11 million. Okay, revenue comes in of $11 million. So guess what? You have zero surplus. This last calendar year, $15 million on a $5.4 billion budget is nothing. Governor Huckabee, when I talked about earlier with Governor Huckabee at in, we spent over a billion dollars less, Dave, and Governor Huckabee left almost a billion dollar surplus. Which BB used? Uh, which BB used, all of us, was gone in two years. Mm-hmm. That's why we're not prepared for an economic downturn. We're not prepared for natural disasters. So you have a zero surplus. But what the governor is doing is saying, well, I was going to spend $12 million more, but I'm only spending $11 million more, so I'm saving you a $1 million. But you have zero of that savings. Okay, this thing of 
I was going to spend a hundred million, but I only spent fifty million. You know, but I saved you fifty million dollars. No, that that's that is that is not right. Okay, so let's turn back the clock. That's what I've kept saying over the years, and we'll talk about the budget a little bit later. I got some more statistics of what how I say and how it works, and where your spending targets should have been lower. As I was quoted by the Democrat Gazette three years ago with Michael Wickline, they were spending too much spending targets. So you go into the 2016 session. And understand in 2013, John Burris, Jonathan Dismaying, David Sanders, Mike Beebe all said, remember this word, we were going to save money by expanding Obamacare, private option, everything like that. We were going to save it in traditional Medicaid because we were going to not have as many people. We were going to save 30%, quoted John Burris, on the House floor, quoted David Sanders, all quoted black and white, video can't get around it. In 2013, when they started noticing and they expanded Obamacare, Duncan Baird, another guy, savings, you know, we spent $1.4 billion on traditional Medicaid. Now, if you took 30% less of that, okay, you're talking roughly around a billion dollars. If you did it in real-world honest terms, that you spend less, they said we were going to save money. Our actual spending right now is going up, and these are estimates that may need to be updated, $1.6 billion. We are spending more. So if you, add, if you look at the figures of the target, they said they were going to save money. You wonder why we don't have a surplus today? They missed the estimates. If you looked at it in real-world, honest terms, that you're actually spending 30% less. Not this, not this misleading thing. I was going to spend, you know, spend $100 million more, but I'm only spending $50 million more. I saved you $50 million. That's misleading. That's why we've got to the point now that we're in with no surplus, okay? They're actually spending more. They've missed it by over a half a billion dollars. That's why we've not had this economic boom that they talked about and they bragged about. John Burris, now he's had an economic boom because he's getting a nice check from the people he gave legislation to, okay? Uh, So anyway, Blue Cross Blue Shields had a nice boom. They've hired key people too. Really worked out for them. So you, you can't, they tried to do this and every year they keep trying to shift it and use different terms. And so in 16, I could clearly see that we were not saving money and spending less as these statistics show, okay, in traditional Medicaid. It didn't pan out like they said they were going to. There was also other multiple spending areas. And so I said, you know what? They put, they put the DHS appropriation bill right up, out right out from the start. They didn't wait. It's the biggest one. It should have been later in the session. Okay, so they go through this, and they go through this motions. I'm trying to meet with the governor, okay? Text messages to Michael Lamro, chief of staff, you know, in the newspaper. Show you the quote. Here's JR, 2016, in here in a picture. And, Val, you can confirm. It's a rough picture. Yeah. <laughs> you look you a lot confirm. younger in it. Uh, yeah. I said the governor's being a lawyer. If he wants to. He ought to call me and sit me da- sit down and look at places to make cuts because I've got a lot more experience down here with the state budget than he does. Right. I see it. Quoted in the newspaper. I was trying to get the governor to try and meet with me because, number one, he wasn't correct. We were not saving money. We were looking at 16. I knew we kept spending and spending and this problem. They keep saying this thing, we're going to spend more to save more. It hadn't happened. So I'm trying to meet with the governor. I sent text message to Michael Lamro. Said, guys, you know what? Let's just sit down here a minute. Let's just try and talk. 
There was no mean comments. You can go back to 16, 15. Is any mean comments? Brian King's mean. Find them, JR. So I'm trying to meet with them. And you know what they do when they don't get their way and everything like that? They come up with the line item veto scheme and the appropriation to get around the votes to even stop the process. I never said, and I was on Paul Harrell program in 16 saying, they're going to get their appropriation bill. We're not going to shut them down. But the appropriation process is to set this threshold in our Constitution to make it where we have more dialogue and vet things and go through things more. They went around the process with this line-item veto scheme. And what this line-item veto scheme basically did was say, we're getting around the rules. It'd be like you getting a speeding ticket, Dave, and the date and court date is March 1st, 2018. You just scratch it out and say, I'm going to put March 1st, 2058. You know? They just got around it. They stopped the debate, did not allow it to happen, would not meet with me. Okay? Text message to Michael Lamro. Got him right here, guys. In the newspapers, trying to meet with the governor and talk to him about what's going on. Okay? Never happened. And then they do the line item veto scheme. Never have we ever, Mike Beebe, as much as I criticized him, never one time tried to do that. So we have these things, and we keep going through these spending levels, And most of it has been DHS. And when you keep increasing Medicaid to the levels that we've done, you ignore other areas like crime, uh, hopefully we get to, highway issues, tax cuts, all these things because you're not keeping your spending levels down, as I said, to make sure you have a surplus. That's not what happened. You cannot spend more and save more any more than I can go out here and say, hey, I was going to drink 16 beers, but but I only drank a case. And so I saved four beers. Can't do it. All right. We finished up with the state senator. So I assume no time limits. Is that we, correct? Yes. Well, you got 13 minutes. Sure. JR got an got hour got before I even minutes. come on. Well, so JR, we're gonna, remember we're that. We're going to come back and let you answer, JR. I got to get a break in. Sure. All right. We'll do the break. And then when we come back, JR Davis will respond with what the state senator has said. You know, everything you know about claiming your Social Security benefits has been turned upside down. New rules for claiming your benefits went into effect for the new year, and your decision now can cost you tens of thousands of lost benefits and lifetime benefits that are rightfully yours. Higher taxes, increased Medicare premiums, and and such. Get the facts in the updated 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show right here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. It's a simple and easy-to-read guide is packed full of up-to-date information for 2018 that could help you avoid losing tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits that are rightfully yours. To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, you won the first 10 callers right now, 501-653-6690. That number again, 501-653-6690. J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, up next. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer in the studio. I've got J.R. Davis, spokesman for the governor's office, and State uh, Senator Brian King. Uh, the state senator just opened up uh, some uh, questions dealing with uh, the budget. Now it's the J.R.'s turn. I'm going to turn over to, to him, and you have as much time as you need to make your answer. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. I know Senator King hit on a lot of issues there. I can only speak to 2015 and to this point i know he brought up a lot of 2013 names and that sort of thing but but there's a lot to cover so let me get to the budget first Uh, i'll say the governor's worked 
tirelessly to curb uh, the cost of growth in the state government. Under the governor, the state's budget has actually uh, been below the 20-year average rate of growth for the state. Each year he's been in office almost a full point below uh, the average there. Uh, Senator, you remember he implemented the hiring freeze on day one. That resulted in 1,100 fewer state employees under the governor's authority. Now, you got to remember, there's a lot of state employees. Under the governor's authority, it's about 26, 27,000. So 1,100 fewer uh, under the governor's authority. He did across-the-board cuts to agencies. Those agencies, since 2015, most of them have stayed flat or below that budget. Uh, he had additional targeted cuts. Uh, he implemented mergers that will save taxpayers about $10 million over five years. And those are just some of the ongoing efforts we continue to pursue every day. Now, as, for, as far as the FY19 budget goes, the governor announced two weeks ago that he's cutting more than $100 million from the anticipated budget, which the legislature did see back in 2017. Uh, that's about $50 million uh, cut to Department of Education, $55 million from the Department of Human Services. So that's no additional general revenue uh, needed for public schools due to the increased revenues earmarked especially for education. That's what I just mentioned there. While meeting adequacy, that's important to note, uh, DHS spending is $55 million less than projected through efficiencies, the redetermination process, the program integrity that uh, the governor talked about uh, two weeks ago. We've eliminated GIF. Uh, We are spending less than forecasted, and I think that's a uh, solid conservative move that we've got to continue to do that. I think as uh, the state budgets go, we tend to budget to forecast. And the governor came in this year and said we're going to have $64 million in projected surplus, um, and let's break down some of the DHS aspect of it for a minute. Uh, there was $192 million in anticipated FY19 budget. Uh, now it's at $142 million. That breaks down like this. There's $50 million to replace one-time funds, and that's usually what was plugged into the budget throughout. We are putting that into the budget, so it's $50 million, what used to be used for one-time funds. There's $6 million going to DCFS, which has been a focus of the governor uh, in fixing the foster care system, which we've seen some success in the last year. That number continues to decline. Foster homes continue to increase. Um, and then when you look at the uh, $48 million for traditional Medicaid, that's actually interesting because the state's having to pay more this year, but it's because our F- FMAP has changed, which means we are doing uh, the economy continues to improve and uh, the per capita uh, income is growing uh, at a increasing rate relative to other states. So it's a good problem to have, but we still have to pay a little bit more because of that. And then $35 million for Arkansas Works. Again, that goes back to what we knew we were going to have to pay our share of uh, going into the budget, which the governor's prepared for, uh, and then the premium increases. Now, over the last year, it's a $174 million increase, $142 million of which we just outlined there in DHS. There's also increased funding for prisons, which is about 3 to $4 million. Additional funding for county jail backup, uh, funding for uh, community corrections, for more parole officers, uh, more pre-K. And then when you talk about DOC and DCC, it's important to note that they are receiving more this year than they did last year, about $4 million for the Department of Corrections, uh, in part to address some of the overtime pay. Uh, community corrections getting about $1.7 million for FY19. Uh, and both DOC and DCC are budgeted and will be funded to fill vacancies. So, for example, Senator, DCC, I think, has 1,332 employees right now but they'll be budgeted for about 1455 so which should help some of the parole issues there that we've talked about in the past, Dave. Now, can I ask yeah. you to pick up after break? Sure. we got uh, Todd Starnes coming up. When we come back, uh, we'll let JR finish what he has to say, then both get a chance to rebut each other. 
That's all coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, as we continue the Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. Uh, we'll be going back to J.R. Davis. He's the spokesman for the governor's office. The state senator got 13 minutes out of the box. We're going to give uh, J.R. that much time if he needs it. That means that he has another eight minutes remaining. J.R.? All right. Thanks, Dave. So I started out by just kind of outlining the governor's FY19 budget, what we've done before to cut spending um, in the state. We talked about those targeted cuts, the 1% cut across the board. But here's the reality of the situation as well. Uh, The state's population continues to grow, which means the cost of services grow with it. Uh, Senator King knows this better than anybody. Medicaid, education, public safety, they're the main drivers. Healthcare costs continue to rise across the nation. It's not just a problem that Arkansas is having to deal with. And while the state has done a tremendous job uh, in finding efficiencies in our programs here through program integrity, through DHS, rolling 117000 off in uh, the calendar year of 2017, uh, there's only so much we can to- do until the federal government and Congress actually address the rising costs of health care uh, and the Medicaid program uh, as a whole. So I think that's important to note. I do want to bring up a point uh, that Senator King Uh, has brought up before and says that the governor's flip-flopped on what he said in 2016 versus what he said today. Uh, Senator, and and respectfully, I think you're talking about two totally different things. These are apples and oranges. Uh, In 2016, uh, as you know, Governor Hutchinson warned that if the appropriation for Arkansas Works wasn't passed, uh, that there would be a tremendous hole in the budget. As a result, education, public safety, uh, highways would be negatively impacted. Well, why? Well, nothing budgetary happens uh, in a vacuum. Here's just one example. Senator, in 2013, uh, before the legislature considered the private option legislation, about $70 million from general revenue was provided to UAMS to offset uh, the cost of uncompensated care. Uh, That was the figure in 2013, so we can only expect that number would be even higher today with the ever-rising cost of health care. And again, that's just UAMS. That doesn't take into consideration all the other rural hospitals Uh, that would be forced to close their doors uh, due to the uncompensated care costs, the wave which would happen if Arkansas Works was ended. Uh, One in particular that comes to mind is Baxter Regional Medical Center uh, up in Mountain Home area. So those are things to take into consideration. There's also um, other things to consider. You know, there's other holes that would have to be plugged due to uncompensated care costs. That would have to come from somewhere uh, in the general revenue budget. Uh, Another example, if Arkansas Works program was done away with, a percentage of the population Uh, on Arkansas Works uh, would inevitably move to traditional Medicaid at a match rate of 70-30, which would cost the state more than three times the match rate of those on Arkansas Works, which currently sits at about 94-6. So that's important to note. Uh, So the governor was absolutely correct in 2016 when he was saying that ending the Arkansas Works program would have a a catastrophic uh, result on the budget, and that's what he was talking about then. It was budget. When you fast forward to 2017, we were talking about program integrity, uh, last year alone, as I mentioned earlier, we moved about 117,000 people off of the Medicaid rolls, 58,000 on traditional Medicaid, 58,000 and some change on Arkansas Works. Um, these people are no, this is important, that these people are no longer eligible for the program. Uh, so there are, many of them are moving up the economic ladder uh, and have coverage options available to them. Though in both cases, this is important, people were not being moved to another state-funded program, costing the state more. And rural hospitals, UAMS, there, there are no jeopardy as far as uncap- uncompensated costs go. So those are two very important distinctions I think I would make between 2016 and uh, 2017 when we're talking about removing people who are ineligible on the Medicaid rolls or those who are actually finding employment and moving up the economic ladder and out. So it's really important to point those two things out. Um, and we talked about 
program integrity. Senator King, I know you've talked about this before as far as the fraud and abuse in our Medicaid program. Um, so this is what DHS has done over the last couple of years. You saw the, su- the successes in that in 2017. Uh, they implement, implemented a new and modern uh, Medicaid management information system. So that's a technology uh, that allows DHS to sort of match data with the Department of Corrections, Medicare, make sure those people who are eligible should be and those who are ineligible are rolled off of the program. Uh, interagency cooperation uh, through the Department of Workforce Services. Uh, this is pretty interesting. So in 2016, we requested a waiver from the Obama administration. We obviously didn't get everything we wanted, but they did give us a work referral, which doesn't have a lot of teeth to it at all. But because of that work referral, uh, we sent every individual who enrolled on Arkansas Works to the Department of Workforce Services. They didn't have to do anything with it, but 4,000 people found jobs because of that. And that's without any teeth at all. That's just people wanting to work, need to be connected to work, and we saw that. So I think that's a um, pretty interesting aspect there. Uh, tax intercept at the end of the, at the end of 2017, Director Gillespie with DHS announced that we were going to collect the $13 premiums a month from those making uh, from those between 100 percent of the federal poverty level and 138 percent of the federal poverty level. Uh, they incur a debt to the state when they don't pay that, and so we're going to intercept what they owe through the income tax process. So those are just a couple of things that I think we needed to hit on. Of course, I'll turn it back over to. Senator King, and we can talk a little bit more about it. All right, so we're now going to allow the two to discuss. Remember, don't interrupt until the other person finishes their thoughts. Senator okay, King. you want to just like give us a couple minutes? We're going to have to have another session to get in the waste fraud and abuse, but you want to give us a couple minutes each each time? I get a couple minutes? Each? Sure. Okay, okay, that's fine. We'll do two uh, minutes to set the timer for two. You ready? Go. Okay, first off, folks, he continues to say, we're saving money by spending, not just spending as much. Right? Record spending. No one, you don't spend record amounts of money and save money. You actually sp- save money, by, as I gave the illustration earlier, that you have to spend yet less than the year before. Okay, Governor talked about 1,000, 1,100 jobs taken off and all that. Yeah, that was a good move. I'm not saying that. But who was responsible for adding that waste in the first place? Duncan Baird, Michael Lamarell, Jonathan Dismang, John Burris. All these guys added this. They added it, they added all these jobs the governor surrounds himself with with these people, okay? They were responsible along with Mike Beebe for creating the mess that you're now bragging on. This one is once again, folks, this spending, I was going to spend 100 million more, now I'm only spending 50 million, I'm saving you 50 million. No, projections are one thing. Eliminating GIF, eliminating less left GIF, the governor still has GIF money to spend. Uh 64 million dollars is pathetic when it comes to creating surpluses. I go back to Governor Huckabee, who spent almost over a billion dollars less and created almost a billion dollar surplus that was gone in two years. We're spending billions more and having no surplus. And when we use those surpluses, real money in the bank, we're able to do things like in 2007, we had record tax cutting. $456 million went to schools. And let me outline, JR, exactly what I'm talking about. And this is one of the things I've advocated over the years, Dave, with revenue stabilization. We need to have targeted revenue stabilization. If we would have stayed at 1.5% growth, not a cut, 1.5% growth, JR, from Governor Huckabee to then, guess what we would have today as a surplus? Over $5 billion surplus. They are advocating spending increases in last year's like 3.6, 4.6. They're spending, they're spending their targets, and that's why we're not having surpluses. And that's why you see we had 1% growth, right. $5 billion surplus. 
All right, Jr. Well, I think the center keeps saying that uh, I, that we're saying savings. I have not said savings. I said there is a cut to the to the proposed budget of FY19, which is what the governor laid out last week. And Senator, you keep talking about uh, Governor Huckabee, and we're we're talking you know 15 years ago. And the fact of the matter is that uh, the the budgets of states continue to grow because of certain programs, which is Medicaid, healthcare costs, and education. And by law, Arkansans. Uh, by law, Arkansas legislature, we have to spend a certain amount of money on education. Uh, and as health care costs continue to rise, uh, Medicaid is going to continue to rise. And we can do everything that we can uh, uh, as far as where the state's concerned. But at the end of the day, Congress has to act. And I'll point out the fact that, again, in the budget hearings last Tuesday, DHS came in and said, look, we are turning back nearly half a billion dollars uh, in Medicaid spending, saying we don't need that for FY19. Because of the efficiencies they put into place by by uh, decreasing the roles on Medicaid in both traditional and Arkansas Works, we're now at around two hundred eighty-five thousand on Arkansas Works uh, after taking the fifty-eight thousand off last year. Uh, so again, I think that's important. This is all taxpayer money. So when you put the federal spending and the state GR spending, that's nearly half a billion dollars that we're saying we're not going to spend this year. That is a cut to the proposed budget of FY nineteen. And we have a $64 million projected surplus going into the year. That is that is real savings, Senator, and that's what I'm trying to explain here. You keep going back before the governor was ever in office. I can only speak to 2015 and beyond. We have put in conservative reforms, efficiencies, program integrity measures to make sure that those who are on the program should be, those who are not, should not be. And we're also making sure that we're staying within uh, uh, the projected savings of the $835 million that we're trying to get over five million year, five, uh, five years, $835 million to help offset those costs for Arkansas Works, which we're on track for. All right. Got to get a break in. Let me talk about New Balance uh, and what they're doing at their their uh, shoe, shoe store. Uh, excuse me. Highway 10 on Cantrell. Place to go. They measure your feet digitally. You know your length. You know your width. Uh, they'll give you free foot evaluations as well. They stock children's shoes in extra wide widths. They stock New Balance shoes for men and women in 2A narrow up to 6E wide. So that gives you everyday comfortable shoes for life. You know, whether you're working, whether you're working out, whether you're just walking around, have a comfortable shoe. The only way to get that is know the link, know the width, and uh, head over to New Balance and let them put you in a new pair of shoes. It's also the only New Balance store in Little Rock, that makes custom footbeds that give you ultimate comfort. That's New Balance, Highway 10, West Little Rock, right over on Cantrell. You'll find it in between, say, Larry's Pizza and uh, the Sonic uh, Restaurant. All right, we'll come back. We'll uh, finish up our uh, debate today uh, with State Senator uh, King and uh, J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman. All right, we know that State Senator King has another uh, area he's got to be at here shortly. We'll give you two more minutes. We'll give uh, JR a couple of minutes, and then I'll just uh, fill out the rest of the show with a bunch of BS. How's that? Yeah. It, one thing is, Dave, <laughs> I'm just kidding. JR keeps talking about savings. He doesn't say it, and he just said it in the last segment in the last deals he did. But one of it is the responsibility or irresponsible irresponsibility of a lot of the people up there. Duncan Baird, who's this budget director, uh, you know, he's about like hiring Otis Campbell on uh, Mayberry, you know, to do sobriety tests. He's the biggest spender 
if you looked at those things, the, the Jr. talked, and Jr. you're wrong. Governor Huckabee wasn't 15 years ago. Let's don't add years. He was less than 12. 2006 was Governor Huckabee's last year. We're in 2017. That's only 11 years. So thank you for correcting. And I just want to say, me and Dave's old enough. We don't want years added, do we, Dave? We notice those. Things. I've got enough years. Yeah, I've got enough too. But a lot of those problems that the governor doesn't want to listen. And when you sit down and doesn't want to implement the things to actually do something he doesn't understand is actually spend less. And I talk about the real world all the time. Governor Huckabee, when he left, if you look at this, Dave, do you know that $100,000 a year jobs in core state government, not including higher ed, UMS, those things, have went up 202%. Here's the numbers. 202%, folks, in $100,000 a year jobs. So... You know, the governor talks about laying out 1100 but the, a lot of it is these Republicans have come in and who he, he still has around him that are big, big spenders. And we talk about other states. You know, you Move take that mic over. Yeah, you talk about other th- how things were going to be terrible. There were problems and consequences to taking, uh, doing away with the Medicaid program. I've always advocated winding it down, not doing it all at one time. But Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, economic, uh, they didn't expand Medicaid, Obamacare. We're not seeing dead people in the streets. It's his scare tactic. Once again, it goes into the Bernie Sanders deals of if you don't do this, it's going to, you know, create everything. And uncompensated care, that's true. Uh, we did spend $70 million more on uncompensated care. We were supposed to have not a non-uncompensated care problem, except UMS right over here has an uncompensated care problem. They have a deficit. Because of that, well, that's so related to uh, that's related to a bunch of different issues. And they said uncompensated care was still a problem. It is still a problem. There are solutions to it. Where are we at on time? I don't want to get in here. I'm done. Good, done. Go, Jr. All right, well, look, Jr. We'll give you final two minutes. Under the governor's leadership in the state of Arkansas, just last year alone, we saw the highest unemployment on record in Arkansas. We saw the lowest unemployment in record uh, on in Arkansas. More than 60,000 uh, Arkansans are newly employed since 2015. The budget's in great shape. The economy's in great shape. And I don't think anyone uh, would argue otherwise. When you talk about budgets, not just in Arkansas, but our surrounding states, whether it's uh, Greg Abbott in Texas or Bill Haslam in Tennessee or name a governor in their state, those budgets continue to increase year after year because mostly of the health care costs that continue to rise. Arkansas is in, uh, uh, in great shape right now where we have a projected $64 million in savings that we want to lay the groundwork for future tax cuts. You look at our neighbors in Oklahoma who are having to talk about increasing taxes to deal with their budget cuts over there. So I think uh, there is no one out there that can say what we, where we are right now in Arkansas uh, from a state perspective around the country and worldwide, uh, we are in great shape under uh, Governor Hutchinson's leadership. And I think we'll continue to see the same thing in 2018. All right. We're going to say goodbye to the state senator. We are going to do this again uh, in the near, near future. Both the state senator and uh, the governor's spokesman, J.R. Davis, have agreed to that. Uh, it won't be on a Thursday. It'll be on a different day. I will repeat it at the 5 o'clock hour on Thursday, though, uh, so we can keep that uh, normal for everybody. JR, anything that uh, you wanted to mention here before we let you get out of here? I think we covered quite a bit. Uh, yeah, we covered a lot. Minutes. But, no, I mean, again, and I, obviously I know Senator King is uh, left, but but I just think to point out the fact that the health care costs across the country continue to rise for every single state, uh, and every state's budget is impacted by that. The reforms that we've put into place here in Arkansas, without any involvement from the federal government, we're still waiting for those waivers 
to be approved from the federal government that would add more conservative teeth to the Arkansas Works program. But what we've done so far has been pretty tremendous. I'd like to see another state that's turning back half a billion dollars uh, in spending to the federal government this year. Uh, so, you know, S- Director Gillespie uh, at DHS, her team, they've done a phenomenal job making sure that the program has strengthened integrity. And they put all these things in the pot to make sure that those who are on the program should be those who are not, shouldn't be. And I think those are important things to point out. As far as the, budget, the governor's budget goes, uh, we, we are in great shape. We are projecting a surplus. Uh, we are funding the services that need to be funded. And we continue to keep our agencies, which, again, is, is just the trim of the budget, right? We're talking education uh, uh, and Medicaid being the drivers of this. But those, those surrounding trim costs of agencies have been flat or below their 2015 uh, budget. So it's important to point all that stuff out. Are you hoping that the legislature uh, will grow a pair, my words, not the governor's, my, my words, and tackle education again? I know the Supreme Court ruled, you know, this is during the BB administration, maybe even Huckabee now that I think about it. The bottom line is, though, there's ways of, of detailing equity in education without the way it's been done in the past. Oh, absolutely. And think save so. us a lot of money. Yeah, sure. But I also think, too, we've got to remember that uh, state law requires the state to fund education uh, to the definition of adequacy. Uh, by the adequacy uh, by the adequacy uh, committee. So again, those are costs that we are forced to pay, and healthcare costs are something we have to work around because that's just the nature of the beast right now. I hope that the federal government acts. I hope they give the states more flexibility to implement some of the reforms we've already implemented. Um, and, and I think again, you have to look not just at Arkansas, but what's happening across the nation and other states. We I can't emphasize this enough. We are growing by nearly a full percentage point less than the 20-year average in the state of Arkansas. And the drivers of those costs continue to be Medicaid and education, both of which are addressed in the governor's FY19 budget. So I think people are excited. I think that there's an opportunity for more tax cuts in the future. We've already cut $100 million. We've cut another $50 million. We've cut $13 million to the military retirement tax pay. And there's more to do. And I think we're excited uh, to take that message to the people in 2018. All right. We will have you back on. Right now we'll say next Thursday, but that might change. We'll just talk to you and we'll figure out okay. if you guys want to get together and what day you want to do it on. Okay. Something to do with chickens. <laughs> that Thursday is not a good day for the, for the state senator. Bottom line is we thank you, J.R. Davis, spokesman for the uh, the governor's office. We thank uh, the uh, state senator, Brian King, for joining us as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show here on this Thursday. Again, keep it, uh, keep it right here at 96.5 FM. Because along the way, I'll tell you when those two will get back together again and we'll keep on having Jr. on as well because we like to have uh, him come on and tell us what's going on in the governor's office as well. That's going to wrap it up. Back with you. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are 
a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year. And we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T, lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbro Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. We will, in the future, have another time that J.R. Davis and uh, State Senator Brian King uh, gets with us. We got some information from both of them afterwards, and uh, we will tighten down the format even more than what it was done just a moment ago. All right, we've got a special guest coming with us here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Starting this Saturday, uh, it will be um, here in Arkansas. It's going to be, I think, School Choice Reform Week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that will be the, the the title of this National School Choice Week yep. is what it is. Starts on January 20th, goes to the 25th. The Reform Alliance, who's been on my show many a time, has organized events throughout the state. Events scheduled for Little Rock will take place coming up on the 23rd and 24th. One of the people who will be here is Dr. Howard Fuller. He's one of the most prominent education advocates in the country. His career includes many years in both private and public service positions in the field of education. Dr. Fuller is a distinguished professor of education, founder director of the Institute for the Transformation of Learning, at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The mission of the Institute is to support exemplary uh, education options that transform learning for children while empowering families, particularly low-income families, to choose the best options for their children. So let's welcome uh, Dr. Fuller to the, to the show. It's nice to have him here on the, uh, on the radio with us. You know, we had a, a good shot at really advancing school choice here in Arkansas uh, back last year during our general session. And it was amazing to me, doctor, that uh, Republicans who are supposed to be for, for uh, school choice uh, almost uniformly voted against it. What is the biggest problem? Is it because the school unions still have so much sway on uh, on politicians? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, to talk with you and your audience. I think the thing that I've learned over all of these years um, is that when you look in rural areas, um, the biggest employer in a lot of rural areas is the school district. And school superintendents have a tremendous amount of, I'm going to use the word, power as it pertains to the politics uh, in those areas. And I think the thing that we all have to understand is that school districts are economic enterprises as much as they are educational enterprises. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to propose something that threatens people's economic interests, although everybody will talk about how much they care about the children and all of that, in reality, there's a lot of things that people care about when it comes to uh, districts and the politics of it before the kids. And so... For me, it is not something that is new to me. I've, I've been in battles where I have bipartisan support for parent choice, which I prefer to call it, and also bipartisan opposition. 
And so it is simply not true that only Republicans support parent choice and all Democrats oppose it. It's just not the reality. It, it differs in different places. So how do you get beyond that? I mean, I understand that we look at uh, education maybe myopically through how what we've seen for uh, education over the last 50, 60 years here in this country. But look, school schools have changed in that amount of time. It's not what it used to be. Is, is that all an educational process that we have to do with our elected officials? Well, I, I think the reality of it is, and I, I tell people this all the time, um, I was just in uh, Sears yesterday, and Sears is getting ready to shut down in Brookfield. And they, they shut down, I think Sears generally is, is shutting down. And I'm old enough to remember the, the catalogs that they used to have when you wanted to, to, to go shopping. I used to and live for those catalogs. <laughs> the Christmas so you know one especially. The Christmas catalogs, right? The reality is that there's this thing called disrupting technologies that uh, many sectors of our country have faced. And so far, education has simply been able to say, we're going to continue doing the things the way we've always done it. But I'm telling people that there is a time coming when technological advancement and a lot of other things are going to overtake the structures that we've all tried to hold on to. And so it's, it's always difficult to see this coming because people tend to think that because something has existed for, for as long as it has, it's going to always exist forever. And, and when you begin to look at what is happening from a technology standpoint, you would not have imagined that 10 years ago, let's say, or 15 years ago, certainly, that people would begin the college degree without ever setting foot on the campus. And things are changing rapidly in terms of how people learn, how people gather information, how they receive it. And, and the reality is that we're going to have to provide more and more options for our young people when it comes to, to getting an education. And so whether people want, want it or like it or not, real change is going to happen. So the question is, do we begin to do things that, that advance the change or do we get run over by it? And, and choice and options is just going to be a reality uh, in the future. We've also got Val Emmons here, and Val is part uh, of my show here on Thursdays. And she's uh, I'm going to let her ask you a question. She's going to join us here right now. Go ahead, Val. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, so what exactly do you hope? You're just going to work to raise awareness this next week on school choice? That's what we're doing, right? Yes, and, and, and what, I, what I would say is, and, and I've lost this argument, about, so forgive me, but That's okay. what, you know, I prefer to use the term parent choice. Parent choice, okay, gotcha. What I, but, but, but people use school choice, and they use it interchangeably. I just like to throw that in every now and then, even though I lost that argument. I mean, the objective is to talk to people about what is it that we're trying to do out here by providing options for parents to be able to choose the best school for their children. The objective is going to be to answer people's questions, to deal with their criticisms, to deal with their fears. So as much as we possibly can, we try to use this particular week to educate people all over the country about the, the, the movement to provide choices uh, for our children and their fam- for the families and their children. And 
the thing about it is like whenever my kids were younger, like they had or I had didn't even have that option. It just seems like it's more prevalent now, like you were talking about the technology, because we have schools online, K through twelve even. And I think if I would have had those options when I when my son, who was a troubled child at school, uh, had a home too, but anyway, um, I think I would probably have utilized that in terms of because we had such a hard time with the school. And I think I see more and more people turning to that as well. Um, just recently, I had a, a young lady say that her daughter, who is disabled uh, a little bit, not not like completely, you know, she can function, but her disability is still sets her apart from the other students and she was slightly mistreated and her uh, mom, I mean, she moved her. She was like, I can't send my daughter back to that school again. And I think that there's a lot more kids out there that her that don't know. And I sent her, you know, some links to some school choice things that she could participate in. But I think that there's a lot of people uh, that don't know that they could actually possibly have a better option. Yeah, I think the the, right. the main thing for people to understand is that when we say parent choice, we don't mean you have to teach your child at, at home. No. There's all different right. ways now that you can you can uh, uh, teach your children. And I, I think that's where you come in here, Dr. Howard or Dr. Fuller, is that you're yep. able to uh, sit down and talk about the technological changes that have occurred. Well, as well as the political changes. Uh, I mean, I, I was a part of creating the first voucher program in the state of Wisconsin. Fantastic. Uh, serving, serving low-income and working-class families uh, in Milwaukee. And the argument that I, I will always make, because it's true, is that the issue of providing choices for parents is not something that's new. The question is, what parents are able to have it? Because those of us with money, we got choice in America <laughs> because if you got enough money and you live in America and schools don't work for your kids, you can either move to places where they do work, you can put your kids in private schools, or you can get the most expensive tutoring on the planet or do all three. The people who don't have that possibility are, you know, low income, moderate income people who simply don't have the resources to make those choices. And so I'm going to forever fight for an America where more than just those of us with money have the ability to choose the best option for our children. we got to get a break in. Let's do that. We'll come back and finish up our interview with Dr. Howard Fuller. Uh, there's a lot of things going on here in Little Rock next week, January 23rd, 6 in the evening till 8 in the evening. The Reform Alliance will host a reception and town hall meeting at the Mosaic Church at 6221 Colonel Glen Road, to engage the community on a discussion on school or parent choice. And then on January 24th, from 11 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon, there's going to be a huge rally to be held at the Arkansas State Capitol. There'll be about 1,500 students, parents, school administrators, and others in attendance to show their support for uh, parent and school options. The uh, guest speaker for both events, going to be our uh, going to be our guest that we have on right now dr howard fuller it's the dave ellswick show quick break we're back for more in just a moment on 96.5 fm the answer All right, i got about eight minutes left here with dr howard fuller and uh, he is an expert on as he likes to say parent choice 
or school choice, as uh, a lot of us have said for many, many years. I've been following this this debate forever. I mean, I've been, been a talk show host for many, many years, and uh, I even follow what Dr. Fuller did in Milwaukee because Milwaukee is a perfect example of something that worked. Washington, D.C. is something that worked and then was taken away. Uh, there's there's a, a million examples of this working, and, and I know that people within the uh, – school community doctor and a lot of politicians hate the word voucher. I've heard us move to the word scholarship at times. I'm going to use the word voucher because I see nothing wrong with it. If we did vouchers uh, more aggressively, can you explain how that would help low income children even more so than uh, children that come from, uh, you know, more affluent families? Okay. So, the thing I want to say is there's nothing magical about any of the things that we're talking about, right? Any, any kind of public policy has an upside or a downside. So, for example, and I'm just, I have to always be who I am. When you begin to talk about things like what you and I are talking about right now in the South, what it conjures up are the, the periods in our history when efforts like this were used to foster racial separation. Yes, sir. And, and, and that. You know, people didn't want to attend schools with, with, with black children, so white academies were created. The government in many states supported that. So when you begin to talk about this, as I said, particularly in the South, for a lot of people, they turn you off immediately because they're, 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 they're thinking we're talking about returning to a, a time that I hope that, that, that we all want to get past in this country. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the opportunity that families would have to provide their children with a better education if the place to get that better education would be a private school. And because I support traditional public schools, I support charter schools, I support private schools, I support anything that provides our children with an opportunity to get the best education possible. Because the, and, and, and what I do, and, and this is important, is I make a distinction between public education and the system that delivers it. So that the low block public schools is not public education, it is one delivery system. And since the delivery system was not created by God, we could actually change it if a better delivery system would uh, allow more of our children to get a better education. So I'm a strong supporter of public education, but I want a variety of different delivery systems to be able to make that happen for all of our children. Can you can you help though? I, I is the voucher system I I see happening more and more often in urban areas. Yeah. Uh, can you expect? Can you kind of expound a little bit on some of the difficulties with parent choice uh, if you're in a an urban setting or in a rural setting? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons you see it more in urban areas is because when this whole movement started, it was focused on those areas where the needs seem to be greatest. I think one of the problems with it is that many people don't understand the hardships that exist in rural areas. They don't, you know, and, and, and it's something that I have tried to understand better over the years. Because I'm coming from the, you know, I live in the city. But the reality is that 
there are significant education problems in many rural areas. And in a lot of rural areas, a voucher system or whatever else you want to use may not work because of just the realities of, of, of um, their circumstances, right? So, so, so what, I, what I'm always trying to figure out is you want to have options available, but then you have to figure out which options would work best in the areas in which you live. And not all of the options will work the same way or be beneficial in certain areas just because of the objective conditions in those areas. So, for example, for a lot of rural areas, uh, online education, if it's done effectively, might be a better option just mm-hmm. simply because of the circumstances that, that people are facing. They don't have private schools or they only got so many uh, students living in a, in, in a given district. So I think what, what, what I try to do is to be open-minded about what is the best option to make sure that the kids are getting the best education. So that in, in one part of Arkansas, the best option might be a traditional public school district that is open to innovation. You know what I mean? And so I would be standing up there saying, oh, you got to have a voucher or you got to have a scholarship program. No, maybe that is not the best option in that particular area. But if that, if that particular school district is not working for significant numbers of kids in that district, then we got to be open to radical innovation of that district. So that's how I approach this. I don't, I don't approach this from the standpoint that every single place got to have a, a voucher program, a scholarship program, a charter school. No, but every single place has to be open to having the type of, of uh, situation that will give the kids in that area the best education possible. Dr. Howard Fuller will be here next week at a couple of the events uh, for the School Alliance. We want to thank him for giving us the time today because I do know your day is full of people asking uh, for your time on the radio and TV and writing things and all kinds of stuff. Thanks a lot, Doctor, for giving us the time here uh, in Little Rock on the Dave Ellswick Show. I really appreciate you giving me the time. I look forward to being in Arkansas next week. All right. Come down and have some good barbecue. All right. You can do that. Uh, Don't forget, January 23rd from 6 to 8 o'clock in the evening, it's the Reform Alliance hosting a reception and town hall meeting at the Mosaic Church. That's at 6221 Colonel Glenn Road to engage the community on a discussion on school choice, or as the doctor likes to call it, parent choice. Uh, on January 24th, 11A to 2P, uh, a large uh, rally is going to be held at the Arkansas State Capitol with 1,500 students, parents, school administrators, and others in attendance to show their support for school options. And the guest speaker for both of these events is going to be Dr. Howard Fuller. Remember that the Reform Alliance is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting school choice opportunities for all students in Arkansas. They are proud to support effective education options for every child. They strive to raise public awareness of all types of education options for families, including traditional public schools, public charter schools, magnet schools, online learning, private schools, and homeschooling. Just like Dr. Howard Fuller said, the goal is to get the best schooling possible for your child. Hey, don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. 
whether it's a tail light, a bumper, or in the case of Val or myself, you go to Sunny's Auto Salvage for Val. She got a motor and a, and a headlight and a headlight. And myself, I got a tail light and a transmission, and it, they both worked absolutely perfectly. Uh, remember, you can get the same warranty uh, for these big parts as you can for small parts. Uh, three years parts and labor and uh, unlimited mileage. They will do the work for you, putting in those uh, transmissions and putting those motors in if you so desire. All you have to do, you call R.D. and his friends at 982-7451, 982-7451. We've got a friend of the show coming on here in the next half hour. We're going to break for Fox News and Rose Mims. Uh, from the Arkansas Right to Life will join us and talk about the Walk for Life, which is going to happen this weekend. So stay tuned for that, and then we'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Oh, that's right. I still have 30 seconds. <laughs> I hit, I'm Steve man, Holmes, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, hit the, I hit the post, man. I do it every time. I just tell you, I hit the post there. You did hit the post. I was right there just for 30 seconds early, though. That's the problem. You smacked into the post. Okay, so the bottom line, again, go see Dr. Howard Fuller. I I think I'm going to make it over to the uh, school choice uh, rally next week over at the Capitol and uh, hear what Dr. Howard Fuller has to say because I'm sure he'll say things better than. All right, so good friend of the show is here in the studio. Rose Mims has joined us from the Arkansas Right to Life and coming up Sunday, a big day. But before we get to talking about that specifically, uh, a big day tomorrow uh, for the National Right to Life March in that tomorrow will be the first time ever that a sitting president has ever addressed the march. Right. That's that's awesome. And I wish I was going to be there, but uh, I'm going to miss we it. We need you here, Rose. <laughs> right. Yeah, I will be here. That's good. You know, you've been here for how many years now? Uh, I'm starting my 25th year with Arkansas Right to Life. Wow. Dedication. Yeah. And dedication. Yeah. How do you feel about we find, I mean, here we have a president that's going to address this group. And he's the first one. That's pretty amazing when you think about it, that we've never had a sitting president that wanted to talk about life. It, well, it's sad. I mean, well, I agree. Yeah, that we've had 40, coming up on 45 years of, of legalized abortion. And we've had pro-life presidents in the past, but we all have to agree that this one is much different, much more bolder. Even even more bold than what Reagan was. Right. So, And, and Reagan, I don't believe, went into office as a pro-life president at first. I think he had a change of heart while he was president. Remember the book that he wrote about it, but uh, that took him a long time to come around to understanding life is life. And many people have, you know, evolved over the years uh, on their thinking of this issue. And I've never met a person that was pro-abortion that uh, became pro-life and then changed or a person that was pro-life and then um, went back to being pro-death. Yeah, it doesn't happen. You know, you, you have an awakening that that life is um, important and life is sacrosanct. That's right. Very, very important. Right. You know, because if you, wherever you draw a line, it means if you draw a line, the line can always be drawn again. Now that's, I don't think people understand that. If, that 
the Nazis drew a line further than what a lot of people here in our country would draw, but Margaret Sanger drew a line. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, where do you want to draw the line? I, I always say everybody is in a stage of development. Every day you shed hundreds of thousands of cells and you replenish those cells. And so you're not the same person yesterday that you are today. So where do you draw the line? I mean, isn't that what we're trying to convince people of? Well, true. I mean, every human being created is unique, irreplaceable. That person will never, there will never be another person just like that one. Now, there's a lot of liberals that think, thank God, there'll never be another Dave Elfick. (laughs) But anyway, like you say, you know, we're all in a stage of development. And what I am right now, today, will be different 10 years from now. Should it be different tomorrow? True. I mean, it really, it, it it's such a, an interesting thing to talk that people cannot, for some reason, take their philosophy to its logical end. Because if you can change the line, anybody can change the line. And that's not a good thing, especially when it comes to life. I mean, we're seeing it happen now with older people. We're seeing it happening with disabled people. I mean, it, it's it's scary. It really is scary what's going on in our culture. It is, and it's something that the pro-life movement had the, um, you know, the foresight to to know would happen. And I mean, what you're talking about has been going on for a long, a long time. time. It didn't. It's not something new. But whenever you uh, take a class of people and uh, you know devalue their worth as a human being, I mean, it devalues the worth of all of us. Guess what I'm teaching in my life group coming up in. Uh about four weeks whatever happened to the human race i'm going to be teaching that book francis schaefer was a prophet of course yeah i mean he really was he was Mm -hmm. a prophet yeah i mean he he really changed my whole viewpoint on a whole lot of issues but that one in being one of the big ones uh i think that he at one time talked with uh, president reagan uh i know that coop did because coop worked for reagan and the two that wrote the book together All right, so tell us when, you know, tell everybody what time it's going to be, where it's going to be, who's speaking. Are we we going to, like, uh, stand on the steps of the Capitol on the front or in the back or what? Well, the 40th Annual March for Life, our annual event that commemorates the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision of January 22nd, 1973, is the reason that we have the March for Life every year. You know, people always say, why do you have this in January? Why don't you have it in the spring? Well, because the decision was decided on January 22nd, and that's why we march as close as we can to that anniversary in the streets to let the people know the public know, the powers that be know that we have not forgotten. And we remember those millions of unborn children whose lives have been lost due to legal abortion. And we're coming up on 45 years, 60 million unborn children. And uh, over 3,000 of those uh, in 2016 were right here in Arkansas. And, you know, uh, we don't want to forget any of those lives. I mean, those are our, our brothers, our sisters, our children, our grandchildren that are gone. And um, we can't ever get them back. Yeah, so I'd... we march. We march to remember those lives lost. And it's, uh, we, we start behind the Capitol. Uh, the march staging area is beginning at Wolf Street. 
to Battery Street on Capitol, behind the Capitol. And at 2 p.m., we will march off going towards the Capitol. We split to make two groups come up on the steps and have a short program. And we're excited that Leslie Rutledge is going to be our speaker this year. She is our attorney general, of course, and she is um, defending the pro-life laws that have been challenged here in Arkansas and also, you know, has defended the governor's policy decision to defund Planned Parenthood. So unlike any other attorney general in the history of Arkansas, Leslie Rutledge has been a champion uh, to defend these laws, not only to defend them, but to take it to the nth degree that she can, to the highest court that she can, and to protect these innocent unborn children who haven't committed no crime and have just are killed. Does it, does it amaze you still to this day that the people who are absolutely pro-death, and I, look, I don't call it pro-choice, I call it pro-death, and uh, these folks, they, they, they always raise up the mother, but it's like they don't want to talk about the life that they're carrying. There are two people involved in this decision. Well, the, de- the, um, the deception that has occurred over many many years i mean we're getting away from that through the use of ultrasound and Mm -hmm. just the metal medical technology that we have now to see the unborn child as it's developing in the womb i mean we know that at 18 days after conception the heart is beating we can see it and we know that brain waves are detectable and we know that the the unborn child can feel pain uh around 20 weeks so you know we try to pass laws that help to educate people about the development of the unborn child and to understand this is a human being that feels pain that is just like you and me and it's not a part of the mother's body it's a completely separate human being um, that deserves protection. And- well, you know what? When my wife had our, our children, uh, they had a, of course, had the, the clipboard, right, for her? But they had a clipboard for the baby, too. Absolutely. Two patients. That's right. There's two patients there. I always thought that was uh, interesting and people had to keep in mind. All right. Now, this is going to happen Sunday, correct? Sunday, January 21st. Okay. What time? 2 p.m. All right. Might be a... There might be a shower in the area. Just bring an umbrella. There might be. We've had rain before. I'm thrilled at the warmer temperatures that we expect. 60, 63. Yeah. That's and a good day. At storms, I have it on good authority, won't happen until much later. So we, um, we should not have to worry about any kind of storm activity. You know, come prepared for the weather. It is an outdoor event. It does not get canceled. We will be there uh, regardless. Rain, shine, yeah. cold, hot. Yep. We're there. We're marching for life, remembering those unborn children and the anniversary of the decision that takes their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Rose, you stay right where you're at. We'll come back. We're going to repeat some of the things that we just told you so that you don't forget them. So Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. We've got about a quarter till four. Don't forget about Safari Pets, 808 West Main in Cabot. It is the largest independent pet store in Arkansas. They offer everything you'll need for taking care of your pet or pets, whether it's a regular pet. I hate to say it this way, a a normal pet like uh, a dog or a cat, or if it's an exotic pet. 
uh, a you know a macaw or maybe you want saltwater fish or a chinchilla, uh, a bearded dragon lizard, or perhaps a tarantula. That one still a, a just freaks me out, but some people like those hairy spiders. Okay, they love them. They call them by names and they pet them. Anyway, Safari Pets, 808 West Main and Cabot. Talk to John or Jason or any of the other folks at Safari Pets. You need information. They have answers. They also offer grooming for your dog. Just give them a call, 501-628-0067. That's Safari Pets. Don't forget about uh, Aero Plumbing. Aero Plumbing, best plumbers around, master plumbers that have the best uh, equipment to use to be able to solve your problems, whether they're at your house or they are at uh, your business. Uh, Earl, the owner of uh, uh, Arrow Plumbing, has gone out of his way to take care of you, the customer. Give you a prime example. Uh, a couple of years back, had a, a toilet that went on the fritz uh, on New Year's Day of all times, but I had my family there, which means, you know, I had a total, I think, of about 18 people in the house. One toilet is not going to handle 18 people. I'm just letting you know that right now. It would not happen. So I called uh, Arrow Plumbing. There was somebody who was dispatched to my house. They were there in 40 minutes. They went in, found out the problem, came in, told me what it was. They fixed it in about 20 minutes and then uh, came, gave me the bill. I gave them payment. They were on their way. The whole thing took about an hour and 10 minutes. And bottom line was that uh, it was done on a New Year's Day. I remember it clearly because I was watching the Rose Bowl when they came. This guy came and he wasn't grouchy. He didn't have a big frown on his face. Smile on his face, took good care of us, put the little booties on, the blue booties and all that, and went to my house and stuff. They did a fantastic job. Same thing that you'll, same kind of service you'll get from Aero Plumbing at your home or at your business. That's Aero Plumbing, aeroplumbing.net, or just Google Aero Plumbing. You'll find all of their contact information there. All right, with us is uh, Rose Mims from Arkansas Right to Life. And uh, you got a lot of dignitaries showing up. And do we know uh, exactly what uh, the Attorney General is going to talk about? Is she going to talk anything about the dismemberment uh law and things of that nature she will she'll update us on the developments that have occurred uh, on her defense of the pro-life laws that have been challenged that were passed in 2017 and among those was our signature ban on dismemberment abortion called the unborn child protection from dismemberment abortion carried by representative andy mayberry our president of arkansas right to life and uh you know dave that is a particularly gruesome they call it a D &E, but actually it makes it sound nice right it's you know it's called dilation and evacuation but actually forceps are used other sharp instruments to literally go in and start tearing the baby's body apart yeah, pulling it, it off out the uterus and yeah we're pulling it out limb by limb until the body parts are out and the head, head can be crushed and and drawn out and that is a common method used here in arkansas uh, around 500 times a year on unborn babies anywhere from 14 weeks on up to 19 weeks so these are babies that are pretty well developed you know have hard bones and um they say that this is the safest 
procedure that they can use and one of the only procedures, but I disagree with that. There are other methods if they want to, you know, perform an abortion at that time of pregnancy that they don't have to. And these are living babies that are, you know, fully uh, uh, alive and conscious and know, feel that, you know, those instruments searching them and pulling them and and destroying them. And actually, and and if people don't believe us, look, Google it. Yeah. And you can see video of it. Right. And the baby bleeds to death, you know, uh, literally because of uh, that's what kills it. But anyway, um, we, you know, want to ban that horrible, horrible procedure here in Arkansas. We want people to know that it's being used. You know, if a woman is who's pregnant and at, at that stage of gestation knows the development of her baby, sees it on ultrasound because they do an ultrasound and the mother can see that ultrasound. You know, to know that that's what's going to happen to her child in this abortion procedure is could could haunt her and frighten her for years and years. We you know, if they're going to kill the baby with an abortion, kill it, you know, before you dismember it, which is what happens now with partial birth abortions. We outlawed partial birth abortion, but on living babies, they still use that procedure, but they kill the baby first with an injection into the heart. It stops the heart of the baby when the baby dies, and then they deliver it feet first, puncture the brain, suck out the brains, and and uh, deliver the body of the dead baby. But the baby dies. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. I know people don't know the truth. But this that's what we're about. You know, educating people about what the baby goes through, Uh, and many women don't know this. And when they learn it, oh my gosh, you talk about nightmares and regret and remorse and guilt. We don't put that on them. I mean, it's just there. It's just the reality of it. All right. So uh, Leslie's going to speak. Is she, you think that she'll speak about, uh, you know, not uh, money not going to uh, Planned Parenthood here in the state? Or is the governor <laughs> going to say so. or what? The governor will be there. You know, we're very proud that the governor and Mrs. Hutchinson attend just almost every year. And we always let our, you know, elected officials that are there uh, that make that effort to to join us to to say a few words, and he'll be there and speak. And we also will have Senator Tom Cotton and um, John Bozeman, and also I think Representative French Hill will be in attendance, and some of the other constitutional officers, the Lieutenant Governor. But yes, I mean uh, defunding Planned Parenthood. I mean to the governor's credit, and he was we didn't ask him to do that. He he took that on his own initiative. It was a very bold move on his part, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, tell Planned Parenthood that we don't like what you do, what you're about, especially after those videos surfaced, and you're not going to get taxpayer dollars here in Arkansas. Isn't it sad that those the people who did those videos seem to be the ones that got punished more than the people who were doing the things shown in those videos? True, but, you know, everything that goes around comes around, and um, it's it's starting. We're starting to see. I, I believe Planned Parenthood is under congressional investigation again over the sale of the body parts. I think disturbing. Is, it, is, it Black, is it Blackburn over in Tennessee that's leading the charge on that, I believe? I, I don't recall. Congresswoman Blackburn. I think that's who it is. Marsha? Uh, what? Marsha Blackburn? Yeah. I think she's the one that's on the charge on that. All right, so to finish all of this up, you tell me again, run over everything that's going to happen Sunday, what times everything's going to happen, and how things are going to be played out. In fact, 
Don't forget that the Arkansas Youth Corral is going to be there as well. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. And also Dr. Ken Shaddix, the pastor of Park Hill Baptist Church, is going to be on our program. And, you know, we are so um, blessed that the temperatures are rising. There's no really any reason why anybody should not come and join us for the 40th, 40th annual March for Life. We've been marching for 40 years in Arkansas. Shouldn't have had to, but we are. Absolutely. And we're going to keep marching. We're not going to let any anybody or anything stop us from marching for life to remember the anniversary of roe v wade 45th anniversary 2 p.m behind the capitol between battery and wolf streets on capitol avenue program will start as everybody reaches the front uh leslie rutledge is our speaker we'll have tables of free information we'll have a red bucket for people to help support the work of arkansas right to life you know so come we're also going to bring our new crosses for life trailer oh yeah you got you a know, new one we that's got right a new after somebody one. took off the yes, other yes and we'll have that out there for everybody to see and to promote that outreach and uh, just eager to see how big the crowd's going to be this year it grows every year and happy to um see everybody come out families and churches from across the state yeah and rose mims is a vital part of that well thank you you've Dave. done fantastic work in the many many years that you've sacrificed your times and efforts for this well thank you dave i mean it's it's um because of my belief that unborn children deserve somebody to speak up for them you know, um, they don't have a, a jury. They don't have a nope. trial. They don't have a, you know, a, appeals after appeals after appeals. They have, they have only us advocates for life that are out there witnessing at the abortion clinic as the mothers come in to pray for them and to offer them free help and to uh, remember them, not forget about them. We're not going to forget about the unborn. Now you always got to remember. The person who doesn't come out of an abortion clinic was the most innocent person who went into the abortion clinic. Right. And those mothers that and fathers that go to the abortion clinic, they are wounded coming out. Yep. And they are never the same. That day will live in their minds and hearts forever. And we have help for them, too. We don't turn them away. All right. So where does somebody real quickly call you if uh, they need any more information or they want to drop about 100 grand on you? Well, they can go to our website and donate online. That's just easy, A-R-T-L dot O-R-G. Right. They can call the office if they want to volunteer. We need volunteers at the March for Life, 501-663-4237. Everybody come and March for Life on Sunday. Thank you, Rose. We appreciate you. Curtis Coleman, you heard me right, up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are married veteran you can receive as much as $25,000 per year and we offer a no risk consultation so call us today and get the benefits you've earned we have a proven track record and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at jurist law group j-u-r-i-s-t 
www.kimbrostevenlawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbro Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right, 4 o'clock, Dave Ellswick Show. Some of you have gotten through your Thursday already, you lucky dog <laughs> I tell you, there's Dang. some of you I really do. I envy you. It's been a long week for some reason. My days have just run together. You know, it was just... all the stress of having to drive on ice. Well, I you know, and I'm more. from the north, mm-hmm. and I'm used to doing that stuff. But I do not have never, and still do not like driving on ice because you don't have control on ice like you do on snow. Right? Snow, you got control. Ice is like you're at the whim of what might happen. But people you know? around here don't get that. They say, "I got a four-wheel drive." I no, got I'll kick it in. I'm care. like, "It's ice." I don't care how many wheel drives it's you ice. got. It just means you're going to slide more. Exactly. As far as I'm concerned. Hey, listen, we're into the four o'clock hour. I've got a special guest today. Curtis Coleman is in the studio with me right now. Let me tell you, Curtis and I had a falling out a couple of years ago. We had a falling out, and uh, I will say for my part. It was a matter of pride that I didn't call him up and just say, Curtis, this is stupid. We need to get back together again because we were the best friends. You know, but when you're friends with somebody, that's one thing. But let me just tell you something. This is a man I've been on my knees with and I've prayed with. And and it it, it was hurting me. Literally would hurt me to my quick. A couple of weeks back, I saw Curtis in the tree over at the uh the baptist church first baptist right yeah and watched him and he did a fantastic job and his wife did a fantastic job singing and i sent him a text saying that i i really was impressed with the work that he had did and it was really really good and he sent one back saying i've been wanting to talk to you well we should do breakfast and so i said when Denny's. You didn't yeah. say Denny's. It was. The, it was. You got to go to the Duke. You know it was Denny's. The Duke of Denny's goes to Denny's. All right. So we we met for breakfast, and let me, let me just say, for everybody out there, and and you can call me a wimp, you can call me a wuss, you can call me whatever you want. Uh, I cried. We over, both did over that meeting. You can call us both that because it was just so stupid for two years. Well, to not and Dave, that pride touch. that pride went both ways. But I am just saying, you know, it's so good to have you back on the air. It's good to be back here, Dave. And this is my first time back in a couple of years. Yeah. I, you know, I, as you know, I've not accepted interviews or, or anything like this for a couple of years. And I've done that on purpose because that's what I was supposed to do. We've got a couple of bald-headed guys. In yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then one with hair everywhere. Right, exactly. Yeah. Everywhere. And, you know, I was telling, uh, I was uh, <laughs> talking a few moments ago about how much I'm enjoying my anonymity because I quite drastically changed my hairstyle. And, and I I run into people all the time, Dave, you know, when Catherine and I are out eating, who think they recognize you. They're not sure. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> right. wave and smile and say hi. And they and I'm, I'm sitting there enjoying the moment. I, I guess that's a little mean-spirited of me but i you no, know i i just enjoy not. i'm enjoying my anonymity so much i mean you know, i do you know that if they, i went blonde you know what they say to me they look at me and go my god you just had open heart surgery you got cancer no <laughs> <laughs> that's what they, several, several people well i hope you don't that, <laughs> no i do not have cancer i decided look i had a big old monk spot on the top of my head and so i decided why keep the other so i shaved my head well you know as some people know i you know, I, I was almost bald when I was eighteen, and I, uh, 
I, when I was in, in Fort Worth working for an organization that did a lot of television, the cameraman, this is back when it, when bowing your head with a bald head would put out a camera. Right, right. And, they were, and it really did. And so, you know, they, I, I was talked into getting a, a hairpiece. And I, wore, I never could find a place to stop. And I got to tell you, I hated the thing. And it was just always so much trouble. And, you know, and then, you know, it gave people in politics something to laugh about, too. But I, I never could find a place to stop. And every time I tried to, I had a thousand pictures with hair on them. And uh, so when, when I got completely away from politics, which I, which I did a couple of years ago, and stopped you know, the, a lot of things I was doing in public, I thought, man, this is my chance. Right. And this is like being liberated. Well, it's I like mean, a woman to stop not like, wearing makeup. Yeah, it's like being liberated. It's almost as good as having your sins forgiven. Not quite, <laughs> but almost. And so, <laughs> you know, it's a burden that's gone, and, and, and I'm you. loving it. So, All right. 11 after 4. So, I mean, the obvious question for a lot of people who have listened to my show over the 17, 18 years I've been on radio here in, in uh, Arkansas, and you've been a good part of that. I've enjoyed it immensely. You know, you, yeah. you've been on, and uh, they remember when you would do your uh, daily yeah, the Coleman commentary. commentary. Yes, I enjoy doing that. Well, now you're not talking about politics. You're not on radio or TV talking about politics. You've divorced yourself from politics, and why is that? Well, actually, maybe divorce is too strong a word. I uh, I think I believe in my heart, you know, that if that's where the Lord wants me to go back, that's what I'm willing to do. But I have no sense of leadership to do that. And let me just say, people sometimes get distressed because they think I've walked away from the cause and that I'm no longer burdened or concerned about the state of the country and nothing could be farther from the truth. I'm just exercising a little level of power. And I, I'm, I'm working for the sake of the country and, and the state in another dimension. And uh, that's basically what I do in my prayer closet. And if you've ever seen the movie War Room, you know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And I have a more power to to influence the direction of the state and the country doing what I'm doing now than I ever did or that I would have had if I had one, uh, you know, running for governor. And so I spend an enormous amount of time, Dave, every single day with one or two rare exceptions, not in my prayer closet, as I call it, praying for our country, praying for our president, praying for Governor Hutchison, praying for those who are running for office, praying for those who lead our nation, praying uh, for the spiritual condition of our state and our country. And I know, I know who hears those prayers, Mm -hmm. and I know that he has the power to change things that nobody else could possibly do. Or stop. Or stop, exactly. And so that's where I am. And it's, uh, I got to tell you, I, I don't think I've ever enjoyed anything more in my life right. than that. So your, your uh, Judeo-Christian uh, belief system has taken over the majority of your life or all of your life well yeah i think uh it's always been a critical part of my life i'm you know jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you mm-hmm. and i think in the last couple of years i've just started to understand what that means and it means what jesus meant by that was that the kingdom of god becomes your greatest treasure that it becomes more important to you than anything else in life and I'm not there, but I'm closer than I've ever been. When did you know that this is what you were called to do? March the 3rd, 2016. I remember the day so well, Dave. I was sitting at the breakfast table 
and Catherine and I were talking, and uh, I'd just been through an episode that that interrupted our fellowship and our friendship, and uh, had gone on a, on a business venture that failed, mm-hmm. and uh, not only lost what I invested in it, but also lost some dear friends because of all those things, and at least temporarily, and you were one of those. And I, I sat there at the breakfast table, and I looked at Catherine, and I said, I'm not going to ever miss God so badly as I just did. And if I don't do anything else in my life, I'm going to develop a 24-7 conversational relationship with Jesus because I know that's possible. And you read Scripture, you know that's possible. And I've met people and heard people who have that kind of relationship. And so I, I determined that morning and that day, Dave, that I was going whatever it took and whatever it costs, and I'm still there, to have a 24-7 conversational relationship with Jesus. And that means I talk to him, and I know that he hears me, and he talks to me, and I recognize his voice. And that's happening. And uh, I'm not at 24-7, but I'm growing, and I'm getting closer to it than I've ever been. But that started that day. When you're driving around, I'm going to let people in a little deeper onto Dave Ellsworth here. Okay. When I'm driving around... I talk to God. I know you do. All right. And I envision him riding in my passenger seat. Amen. All right. Because he's a person. He is. The Holy Spirit is a person. Absolutely. He's with us always. So why wouldn't we talk to him like that? Well, because I think a lot of us struggle with the reality of his presence, and it's hard for us to understand the reality of his presence. And I'll tell you what I did. I started that very morning I decided that I didn't know Jesus nearly as well as I needed to or I wanted to. So I started working through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the, at least for Matthew and John, they were the eyewitness accounters mm-hmm. of the life of Jesus. And no one knew what he did better than those people did. So I, I started going through the four Gospels with an intensity. And I will tell you what happened to me is, man, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart and I began to open my eyes and I began to understand things that I'd not seen before and created such an enormous hunger in me for that, that Dave, some mornings I'd get up and I'd start that study and I'm, it, it, would, it wouldn't just last the morning. It would last the whole day. I'd skip meals. I wouldn't be hungry. I was just so enveloped and overwhelmed with the presence of God in my life. I'm now, this is two years ago, I'm now working through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for the fifth time. Wow. And Fantastic. in the last two years, and and uh, I'm still seeing things I never saw and understanding things. I'm, I don't know that you probably will talk to anybody that's got more soul peace than I do these days. And, you know, I am, I'm so grateful for what God's doing in my life that it's almost beyond my capacity to explain it. But, um, you know, I, I know that God has the ability uh, to create in me something that people sense and understand, and I trust him to do that. Curtis Coleman's my guest. He's going to be with us for the hour. I'm going to come back and talk to him. But when we come back from the break, I have to say something uh, about uh, the March for Life and somebody who's not going to take part in it. And it it hurts me that they're not going to take part in it, and it makes me mad that they're not going to take part in it. So i got to say something about it. And, you know, Curtis will tell you as well as anybody that if there's something I think needs to be addressed, I'm going to address it, and I will talk about it in a moment, and I'm going to talk about the uh, bishop of the Diocese of Little Rock. That's coming up in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
Don't forget about Lewis uh, Family Beef. Uh, they have their ranch slash farm out in the Greenbrier area. Their cattle are born and raised on their ranch. They don't use any antibiotics. They use no, no hormones on their uh, cattle. They are clean beef through and through. Now, if they get a sick uh, cow and they got to give them antibiotics, they take them out of the herd for being bought to be consumed. They also raise their cattle stress-free. That means they let them get out into the fields and, and munch on the grass and things of that nature with no stress, which leads to a cow that offers more tender beef. With Lewis Family Beef, you can buy a quarter, a half, or a whole. And the packing house is going to call you when they get ready uh, to, after they have, of course, uh, slaughtered the cow and they're getting ready to cut it up. They're going to ask you how thick you want those steaks and things of that nature. How much of it do you want to be hamburger? And uh, you'll tell them that after they've got it all ready, they'll call Lewis Family Beef. They'll call you. You can either pick it up there at the packing house or... The Lewis family uh, farm will bring it to your home absolutely free. Remember, again, all you have to do to get this clean beef is to call Cody or Sarah at 501-328-3554. Or this is my way I would say is probably the easiest way. Go to Facebook.com. This is easy to remember. Facebook.com slash Lewis family beef they'll answer any of your questions people are already calling people are already putting uh, whole cows half cows on hold you'd be well served to do it for yourself right now that's lewis family beef don't forget about pi roofing and uh, home solutions joel johnson has added that home solutions because he knows that if you called him had his business come out to fix a place on your roof because water was getting in then you have damage inside your house as well Probably need some interior painting or drywall repair, maybe some exterior painting, carpentry work, things like that, insulation work, ventilation work. All those things can happen if you get a leak in your house. So uh, he decided instead of you having to go out and find, uh, you know, some guy, a contractor that can come in and do the painting, another uh, contractor come and do drywall, he would hire the people necessary that when PI roofing comes out and they find the problems that they can fix it for you. So now it's a one-stop deal with PI roofing. You just get a hold of them. They'll fix your roof. Then they'll turn around, take care of the interior painting, get rid of the stains, get rid of the mold, get rid of the bad drywall or some of the damage that might be on the outside of the house. They can do all of that. All you have to do is go to PI roofing.com or just Google them at PI roofing and talk to them there, and they'll take real good care of you. All right, so give, uh, I've got Curtis Coleman here, but I have to make a statement about something that I learned today. As you know, the 40th annual March for Life is going to be held uh, this Sunday uh, in Little Rock at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We just had Rose Mims on just a few moments ago talking about it. Uh, and uh, the Arkansas Attorney General, Leslie Rutledge, is going to be there uh to speak during uh, the march. Well, Bishop uh, Anthony Taylor, the uh, bishop of the, dio- uh, the Diocese of Little Rock, because the uh, attorney general has worked with the governor, which is her job, is to work for the governor. The governor uh, was upholding some death penalty sentences. She, of course, uh, her job was to 
make those sentences happen, uh, those death penalties to happen, and she did her job. Well, the bishop says because she's done that, uh, he can't take part in the walk. Uh, If you're not going to be 100% life, he says, uh, he can't be out there uh, walking for a pro-life march. Now, let's make something really clear here. The Arkansas Right to Life organization is a one-issue. Let me repeat this. One-issue organization. It's about pro-life. It's about saving unborn children's lives. And that the bishop would use this as uh, a springboard to attack the governor's office and the attorney general's office, to me, is kind of unconscionable. Isn't that a little political? Yeah, well, it's real political. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I wonder what the bishop thinks that tomorrow President Trump will be the first sitting president to address the national right to life march that will happen in Washington, D.C. He's going to talk to those people, and he doesn't adhere. I mean, he believes in the death penalty. He believes in, in curbing illegal immigration, which for most part of the Catholic Church, they do not. Can you not find it in your head and in your heart to understand that we can come together and fight against one of the most insidious evils in our country, which is abortion? Abortion is evil, folks. It's the epitome uh, of evil. And that the bishop is not going to take place, uh, take part in this, I personally think, is an affront to everybody who has fought for the last 45 years since Roe v. Wade uh, against this evil. And I wish that he would reconsider and that he would come out and be in the front. So uh, if, he, if, you, if, you, if you're a Catholic, I suggest you call the diocese and you, you call him and leave for him uh, a message saying that you cannot support him in this endeavor and that it is absolutely wrong. All right. So I've had my say. You got your soapbox out. I got out. my say. I had my say. All right. Let me move over back to, to, uh, to Curtis. I, I just think it's wrong, Curtis. I think the, this, this is a one issue deal. It's not a multifaceted issue. That, 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 well, that is. I don't understand the Bishop's decision and, uh, it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. When we come back, We've already killed up. We've ate up a half hour, brother. That's nothing. I, I'm pretty sure you run the clock at double speed. We can, I, yeah, <laughs> we can do it. We could do two hours, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to do one hour. And today, I want to talk to you about your book. Okay. And, and, and it's called Why Fear Death, right? Why Fear Death. All right. Yes. I want you to talk about okay, it. Okay, love Why to. fear, you know? If you're a believer, there is no reason to fear. Remember what Paul always says. I talk to my wife about it. I talk about death to my wife because it's just a part of life to me and uh, she gets upset with me and i say look understand something i look at it the same way paul does to live is is cool but if i die that's gain well, we can talk about that too yeah i'm going to gain a lot of stuff <laughs> when i die i'm gonna man i'm gonna have the, the universe at my fingertips all right we got to get to fox news fox news is coming up here in just a minute uh let's find out what's going on in the world uh, the Dow closed above 26,000 today. They didn't dive under it. It stayed above 26,000. 
Here's Fox News. We'll be back more with more with Curtis Coleman. All right, 25 minutes till 5. Curtis Coleman is my uh, guest sitting here in the studio with me, and it's good to have him here. It's like having a long, a very long lost friend <laughs> back in the studio. And, and we picked it up just like, like it never stopped. Never, right. It never stopped. So you've got a book out now, Why Fear Death. Yeah. First of all, when did you write it? Why did you write it? And uh, what gave you the idea to write it? Well, actually, Dave, when my, my dad died several years ago, and it was the most immediate death I'd experienced in my family. And, you know, I, uh, I remember thinking about dad's death a few days after, and I began to, like a lot of people do, I began to ask the question, where is he? Where, what happened to dad when he died? Where did he go? Where is he now? Of course, I knew the answer was heaven. But, you know, there was more to the question. And so I began to research in my own mind what I believed about dying and discovered that almost all the theology I had about dying I got from hymns. <laughs> not from scripture right and the more i looked at the hymns the more i realized that a lot of them that i followed weren't even scriptural weren't even biblical <laughs> so, makes you feel good. so yeah so i thought you know i'm gonna back up here so i did and i just kind of put aside everything i'd ever believed about death and dying and started from scratch okay. reading through scripture and studying it and the more i did the more i went wow oh man this is fabulous this is incredible and from that came the book why fear death and, uh, and the book is written primarily for believers. There are uh, chapters here for people who are not Christ followers. Mm -hmm. But basically, it, it explains what happens and where we go and what it's like when we die if we're believers. And that's what it's about. And, and, and it makes the point there's, death, there's death, nothing to fear in death. Because basically, for a believer, it's just a transition. And, it's it's and, just a step from one existence to another. Exactly. And from one dimension to another dimension, that's all it is. And it's fabulous. I mean, you know, I will tell you, I, I will be careful about how I talk about this because, you know, a lot of us, especially people my age, I started to say our age, but never mind, Dave, my, my age. It's our know, age, man. I'm 65 in February. Yeah, well, I'm ahead of you. And we, uh, you know, a lot of people my age, we, we pray what I call the Star Trek prayer. You familiar with that prayer? No, what is it? Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up. There right? you go. Okay. We pray, beam me up, Jesus. And, I, you know, the older we get, the more we look forward to uh, heaven and the more tired of earth we become. And, uh, you, know, I, I'm, I've, you know, that's not what Jesus told me to pray. He told me to pray, our Father who art in heaven, thy, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Jesus came to bring up there down here. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's got me here. That's my purpose for existence is to bring up there down here. In fact, I, I, I teach a course, I teach a, a class at First Baptist Church in Little Rock on Sunday morning. And that's what I'm talking about Sunday morning, that the purpose for our existence is for us to bring up there down here. Hands the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. Yeah. Just like he did. Of course, he, he lives in us. You know, and Jesus, when he got here, if you it's a fabulous study on the gospel of Jesus. I mean, most people don't know what the gospel is. Even those of us who grew up our lifetimes in evangelical churches, you know, we've never heard a sermon on the gospel of Jesus, which is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am here to teach the kingdom of God. And then he said, the kingdom of God is among you. Here I am. I'm the kingdom of God in your midst, right. in your presence. So we're starting a study of that uh, this coming Sunday morning at First Baptist and and I'm really excited about that. But anyway, this book is explains uh, what happens when we die, mm -hmm. where we go when we die, what it's like where, when we die, 
and uh, and and how that heaven basically is not another uh, not up there somewhere that heaven is another dimension that's here and now and that heaven is anywhere that the presence of God exists and that when we die we simply transition to another dimension and we don't go away. We're just moving to another dimension. And then I use a lot of biblical text to explain why there's another dimension and how God uh, uh, basically documented that fact in Scripture, uh, how God occasionally just pulled back that screen, and I could call it, that curtain, and let us see into the other dimension. Well, you know, it's important for people to understand what the difference is between physical death and spiritual death. Oh, it's a huge difference. Because, right. you know, when Christ died on the cross, he died physically. Yes. But he was always alive spiritually. Right. In fact, it said while his body was laying in the tomb, he was preaching to the saints. That's a huge difference, isn't it? It sure is. He was alive that whole time. Now, we didn't see him walking around like the, the apostles did until three days later when his body came back to life. Right. But he never he never went away. He was always here. Yeah, and what's really neat is that I think Paul said it. I think it's Romans 5, verse 10, if I remember correctly, where Paul said, we, were, we are reconciled to God by his death. We're made okay with God because Jesus died on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. But then we are saved by his life. Yeah. It's his life that gives us life. And the fact is, is that when we trust Christ as our Savior, he not only forgives our sin— not only do we uh, experience his death on the cross, we die on the cross with him, but we're resurrected with him into new life. And we live that new life right here in this planet on this body for a little while. There's two places in Scripture that this term is used. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, they said it says he was raised from the dead. Then it says he was raised from the dead indeed. Yeah. They say the same thing about Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead indeed. That indeed means that he was unfettered at that point. We saw him. So when you see somebody who's been, let's say, been incarcerated and somebody pays their their bail, you know it's been paid and they're free, but you don't know they're free indeed until you see them. Yeah, which is why Jesus said unwrap him. Yes, it said, take the glo- yeah, take, take the take, take those- the cords off of it. That's right, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, the, the book. Anyway. Uh, thanks for asking about the book. Let me finish the yeah, commercial. Go ahead. You finish <laughs> up, man. You go ahead. I'm the sorry. Book, the book is a, a, is called Why Fear Death: The Bible and Science Answer the Question What Happens When We Die. And there's a lot of uh, reference to some fascinating science that's available to us called the string theory, which is a fascinating concept that fits with a concept of now you're going to talk about interstellar the movie aren't you well uh, you know there's some things there i could talk about absolutely <laughs> you know but uh anyway the book's available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com or if you want an autographed copy you can go to curtiscoleman.com and i'll autograph one and send it to you cool. it always amazes me that anybody wants one of those but explain you, you it, it, explain to us if you can just real easily don't give away the whole book or anything about string theory and how that part of physics comes to play well you know uh physics uh, scientists uh, especially physicists astrophysics yeah physicists um, uh, have have decided that there are other dimensions as many as um thousands of dimensions and uh you know and einstein started all this and the theory of relativity is, is what gave prompted the concept of uh 
the string theory, but there are other dimensions that exist. And one of my favorite illustrations of that is what we now know is what is called dark matter. I mean, we now know that at least 80% of the universe is composed of something we don't know what it is, so we call it dark matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, of course, we know who that is. I mean, Colossians, the book of Colossians tells us that Jesus not only created all this, but he's holding all of it together. But but basically what we know is that there are other dimensions. And I think one of the things we're going to discover in eternity is that we're going to have a chance to explore. And I don't, I don't, I'm, all the Bible talks about is the spiritual dimension and everybody right, recognizes right. that. But within that context, there may be, and I don't know, and physicists don't know, there may be thousands of other dimensions within the context of what we call the spiritual dimension. <laughs> but we do know that this is one, and and it's called Earth, okay? And it, and what we can, for instance, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, we look not at things that are seen, but, but things that are not seen. That's for right. things that are seen are temporary, things that are not seen are eternal. And I submit that things that are eternal are a lot more real than things that are temporary. So what we can see is just temporary. But what we can't see, at least with our physical eyes or here with our physical ears, is eternal. That's spiritual. And we will have the capacity to see and hear that dimension that we can't today. All right. We've got to get a break in. Curtis Coleman is our uh, special guest. Val Emmons is here as well. You got any questions, Val? I'm just sitting here thinking. You don't even want to know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, like, when they're in that other dimension, do they say, you better behave or I'm going to send you to Earth. <laughs> you better quit it or you're going to go to Earth. Yeah, they might. Just, I don't know. <laughs> that's what's in my mind. I'm we'll sorry. Talk. We'll talk about it all. When we come back, Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. Hey, we just found out out on uh, 430 southbound, in the right lane right there by Colonel Glenn, there's been a 10-car pileup. There may be a fatality involved. Uh, if you can go some other way home, we would highly recommend you go a different way. Again, that's 430 South, right lane, right by Colonel Glenn. All right, Robbie joins us from Mall Mill. Hey, Robbie, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, Curtis, um, i got a comment for you and a question to try to bring this around. Uh, you were talking about the Beam Me Up, Scotty Prayer. Uh, Jesus said, pick up your cross and carry it daily. So I, I tend to look at things differently. I, I pray that I live long enough to be a great influence in my great in my children's, great-grandchildren's lives. And I'm not looking forward to go because I think that seems like a easy way out. We can have much more influence here than we can in heaven. So, uh, so, so I just, you know, a lot of people say they want to die peacefully in their sleep. Not me. I want to be wide awake because I'm going to try to duck. And, uh, I want, you know, I want to fight it off. So uh, go ahead and address that. I mean, because I think that seems a little selfish to it, it, you. I may die in peace when I do die. I'm not afraid to, but I just think about all those that I leave behind. All right. So if you could address that. All right. Listen yeah, in. A good comment, Robbie. And actually, I went on to talk about how that's not the prayer Jesus wants us to pray. He wants us to pray, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done," which means pray that. Uh, that we can stay here and bring up there down here. God doesn't want us to go up there. He wants us to bring up there down here. And that's why Jesus came and preaching the kingdom of God. So I agree with you totally there. And I, and I, I think you're exactly right. I kind of talking about dying. I love the, I love the story about the person who said that when he dies, he wants to die quietly in his sleep, like his grandfather died, not like the screaming passengers in his car. So, <laughs> I don't want, I yeah, love but, it. I, I but, hate 
the thought of dying by fire or like drowning. Those are my two fears. That's the only fear I have of death. I'm not yeah. really afraid. I'm yeah, we most of us fear how we're going to die more than the fact that we're yeah. gonna, that we are going to die. And the purpose of the book is not to for you to want to escape. The purpose of the book is for you to live without fear, which is how Jesus wants us to live without fear and with a complete peace and with with no hesitation about the future because that's all in His hands. Yeah, Philippians one twenty one. Uh, for for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Exactly. All right. But Paul said, I I tarry here to be with you. Just like Robbie just said. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, yeah, I think what you're saying is absolutely right on the mark. Right That's a good point. Mark. Good point. Thanks, Robbie. Good stuff. I always Very like to remind, stuff. like, I always tell the boys, you know, I think a lot of, like, bringing and talking about death. It helps when actually someone dies because if you're just not thinking about it and like I try to let my, my boys know, I'm like, look, what are you going to do when I'm gone? You know, you have to, I'm like, and they're like, mom, that's just morbid. Don't talk about that. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a fact of life. It's something that we all have to do. Pay right. taxes and die. <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't finish my, my point a moment ago about Romans 5, 10, where, Jesus, where Paul said that we're reconciled to God by the death of Jesus, but we're saved by his life. The point is, is that a lot of people think that Jesus came just to get us ready to die and that what Jesus talked about was dying. And then when we talk about knowing Jesus as our Savior, we're just getting ready to die. Mm-hmm. And that is not was not his message. His message is about living. That's right. I mean, his message was about living with purpose and peace. And the fact is, is that you can perish without dying. And I, I submit that people who who are living without purpose and without peace and, and without a reason to live and without understanding and without a relationship with God are perishing while they're alive. Yeah, and if, if you, Jesus came to, for us to live life to its fullest, abundantly is the word. Yeah, if you're living and you're going, what's what, what's this all supposed to be about? You know, you can give Curtis a call. Give me a call. Right. I'd be happy to explain it to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Or send me a note. <laughs> right. Curtis at CurtisColeman.com. Real simple email address. You know, give him a call or send him an email and ask you about that. I mean, that's why we do the Tuesday show with the Bible guys. We want people to understand. You know, that that's the key. That's the first step, understanding. And I think it's a major first step for people understanding about um, that Christ was who he said he was. He did exist. He was a historical figure. And you've got yeah. to make a decision about yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's beyond question. No one disputes his existence. Yeah. Right. So you got to make you got to make a decision. Or no one legitimately you. <laughs> disputes. Do you all, do, I get talking, you know, you're talking about different dimensions. I get talking to people and it freaks them out. If you start talking about time. Yeah. there I forget if it's in Galatians. I, I don't know the exact verses. But Paul's talking and he says there there was a time that though he was here, he was yet in the heavenlies. Yeah. So he was here with people, but yet he knew he was already in heaven. Well, and the fact is that Jesus and his resurrected body could exist in two dimensions simultaneously. In fact, those of you who read Scripture know that after his resurrection, the disciples were locked in a room in fear, and Jesus appeared in the room. Yeah, he walked through the door. Basically, that yeah, <laughs> and basically that's because he could occupy two dimensions at the same time, and and I think that is a clue to what our what our future bodies are going to be like. That resurrected body, we're well, going to be able to do the same thing. Think about it. if eternity has is no time existed. Well, actually, in my book, I make the case that time does continue oh, to okay. eternity. So, but you know, go ahead. But <laughs> if we accept that premise. That time has no beginning and no end. Right. All right. 
then being here right now means we can be anywhere on the time continuum at any time. Time is man-made. Well, that's mm. kind of, you know, you could be here preaching in church, but in the spiritual realm, you could you could be there at that time. That's what it will mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of, that's a lofty thought for you today to sit and think about <laughs> as you're driving home from work. I'm just saying, pretty, it's pretty crazy when you start thinking about it. Right, and I deal with that in the book, by the way. Oh, great. I've been so, reading it. I just haven't yeah. got to that part yet. Yeah, it's there. You're going to get to the good part. That's why yeah, I like it's, science it's, fiction it's so much. <laughs> right. And I don't believe this science fiction. I think it's science fact. But uh, and I think that Interstellar was science fact, and it dealt with just what you're talking about. Yeah, and on, in an interesting, in a different level. It did. Yeah, different level. Right. Absolutely. I, I, now, do I think that there's piano wires, you know, running through space? No, <laughs> right. I, I don't yeah. think that's it. Well, yeah. that's kind of what it looked like, and he was going through time. And, yeah, in the back side of the library. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it was a great movie. It, it was, was an interesting movie, and it does it does it did deal well with the concept of multiple dimensions. Yeah, really, really crazy. So what's on uh, I know you're you're trying to d- develop a deeper relationship every day with right. the savior. Okay, right. I understand yes, that. That's the priority. You got another book in, in I mind? Got, I've got two books uh, under construction. I need to focus and finish one of them. Uh one book that I'm writing about is uh I'm writing about the story of our company Safe Foods Corporation oh, and cool. in the context of servant leadership because that's how we built the companies on servant leadership. And so that book is under construction. And then I'm teaching a course at First Baptist called Apprentice of Jesus, How to Live My Life as, as Jesus Would Live It If He Were I. And uh, that's becoming a manuscript as well. So I need to I need to settle down and, and finish one and so I can give my time to the other. But those are under construction. I don't expect to have either one of those published before this year's over, but I'm working on those. Writing a book's a lot harder than a lot of people think it is it it is for me now i know that some people do it easily but man i give birth to every word one word at a time (laughs) i'm telling you i do it's just it is it is as hard as it is hard as anything as i've ever done but i enjoy it immensely you know it's it's sometimes painful but i certainly enjoy it and then you know, I, I have to put it down eventually because I go back and rewrite. And, I was getting ready rewrite. to say that oh, would be yes. my thing. I would like yeah. it would never be perfect. At some point, it, it never gets there, and I finally had to deal with that and say, "Okay, I'm done." And although well, I that's why you got to have done. a proofreader. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that's part of it, but it's not so much the. And when they say this is good, you got to assume they're yeah. telling you but the But you're truth. always like, you know how you're always just like sitting down, like when you're writing a, a proposal or something. You're like, okay, no, 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 that's not good. I need to try something else. And you never <laughs> right. get it off. And then yeah. that's why you have to have a deadline. And that's a difficult thing for me, at least, to finally put it down. But, it's one, yeah, I'm working on two more, and I'm enjoying it. And I'm enjoying I'm actually, the course I'm teaching at First Baptist Church, I teach three times a week, Dave. And, and I, I'm enjoying it immensely and just loving every minute of, of doing that. Can you, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it or not. Yeah. But do you want to brag on 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 the business and where you guys are just oh. starting to do business at? well i i can i can brag out in this context my son chris is now the ceo at safe foods corporation and is far and away dave the very best ceo the company's ever had and we're doing business on four continents and god's blessing the business it's never prospered as much as it is right now and uh, i attribute that to chris's leadership and the blessings of the lord god and uh, th- there's some news coming out about the company that a big step it's taking in the future. And I, I'm not at liberty to talk about that, but it'll become public in a matter of a few weeks. It's never luck. It's always God's favor. It's never luck. No, sir. It's All the right. blessing of God. Curtis. Absolutely. 
Thanks for coming Thanks, in. Thanks, Dave. This I enjoyed great, it. great, brother. I We're loved every minute. More. Thank you. Okay, Fox News is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.